Hi, I'm Tony Fair, founder of Victorian Grooming Company. Is your beard feeling dry or the skin underneath itchy? Maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead. Our classic collection of beard oils, balms, and soaps will leave your beard looking, feeling, and smelling amazing. And if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients, visit victoriangrooming.com. Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Jack Donovan. Now, Jack is from Michigan, USA. He is a singer, songwriter, recording artist, producer. Now, Jack plays in the popular band Trash Panda, and his previous band was Carbon, which was also a very popular band in Shanghai. Jack was a part of Someone the Musical. Now, in April, Jack recorded our very first EP. He mixed and mastered it. He's also been uh, the director and principal of an international school. So here we talk about some of his health problems that he's had in China, some health issues with his family as well. Now Jack is also the, the music promoter for the Seas Bar in Shanghai and he books the bands and gives a lot of new bands the opportunity to uh, start their music career. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig your story at podbean.com. We also have a link tree there, which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We run all the major streaming services, including Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, to name a few. We also have WeChat for our Chinese listeners, and VK for our Russian listeners, at Till Craig Your Story. We have a YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribing to get all the latest updates there. All right, this is part one of my chat with Jack Donovan on Till Craig Your Story podcast. Hey Jack, how you doing tonight? Oh, fucking greatest night of my life, man. <laughs> greatest night of my life, thanks. You got to the peak of your career that's, now. Yeah. That's the, it's the greatest greatest night so far, right? 
few beers. We've got a, you know. Hell yeah. There we go. Cheers. Same Asashi Asahi beers. Cheers to you. Uh, Jack, uh, what's happening with you at the moment? Remember you were doing a recording or listening to it and you had a board, a whiteboard in, in your apartment. It was yeah. like... Yeah. Scheduled four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock. Yeah, you're doing something different. <laughs> I got a few projects going on. One of the big ones, uh, new band Trash Panda. Come on, we, we got a few. We got a few shows in uh, under our belts so far. Yeah, we got uh, we got some good stuff coming up. We got uh, we're just finishing up the mixing and mastering for a song called Monterey. You may have heard it. It's next show is gonna be August 13. So if you haven't heard it, come to uh, Lofus on August 13. We'll be there. But we, we recorded this one song because we got a guy, Alejandro, who is a videographer and he has been gracious enough to offer us a, a spot. And so he's gonna, we're going to do some uh, of shoot it, probably at C's Bar sometime in August. Hopefully by the fall we've got the video all shot and ready to go. So that'll be oh, fun. Nice. Looking, forward to, looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, just trying to get some, get a few more shows going before the before the summer's up. I feel like the summer's slipping away. So much to do, <laughs> yeah. right? I think you've got a shoe in for another podcast, and uh, after that video, is that correct? Right. I heard rumors. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we gotta, gotta, gotta get the whole group in. Yeah, here. They're, right. all these, they're all interesting fellas. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Colin's jogging on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, that's, that's good to hear. And Trash Panda and. Yeah, you booking the C's bar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been, I've really been into that. I like, uh, I like that C's bar stuff. That's, uh, I mean, it's you know, it's a great venue. Everybody knows the some of the technical issues we all face there, but everybody always has a hell of a time, you know. So uh, yeah, we got one. Hell, we got them. Yeah, coming up this week, next week, pretty much. I feel like every week lately, we've at least got you know something live coming up. So yeah, a lot of a lot of good bands coming through there. I was just the other day. I was trying to figure it out. It's been just over 60 bands that we've had live now at Seas. Uh, so that's, yeah, I was telling Jesse, you know, the owner, and she's she was pretty excited about that. So, yeah, me too. I think that's amazing. I I started thinking back on some of those shows that I saw, and I was like, wow, there were there were some shit bands. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, actually, I've been happy with all the bands. I mean, uh, yeah, my, my, my sound technic, technician abilities is probably the weak link in the whole thing, so... <laughs> I can't. I can't complain at all. Fucking great bands coming through there. Well, you're you're in that small like little room. It's hard to describe. You're in like a room, and then you go to the bar. That's another room, and then the <laughs> the pool table's another room, and it just sort of comes all together. You know, you can only do so much with the the vocals, but then if you've got like a a, a drummer that's gonna smash them. Oh yeah. It, it, it's. Difficult to sort of get a level there, right? But who doesn't love a drummer that just that's smashes right, the shit out of everything? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Freaking out, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, you got you got the war wounds. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, man. Uh, yeah, some great bands coming through there. I mean, got to shout out at least a few of them. I mean, we got what Deku, Round yeah. Eye came through, Chimera Call, Flip House, uh, guys like you know solo stuff like Radio and Zach Heffler. Like just a lot of amazing music coming through there. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, and you, like you're producing, you're you know, yeah, yeah. I just, I just, busy, uh, there's this, there's this band called Full Throttle. You guys may have heard of them. Uh, there's this band Full Throttle, uh, a duo. They play some some badass rock music. I did a, yeah. I did an EP for them. They had a release party uh, just recently, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, sounds like it went real well. I also I had another show at Seas, so I wasn't able to be there. But uh, I saw, yeah, I saw you singing there the other night. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I know every I know every song. Yeah, I've, I've heard those songs more than anybody <laughs> I think in the world. 
there was a little bit of mixing and mastering. Uh, no, no click tracks uh, in terms of trying to mix it. It would have been a very. I could see the hours and hours. Oh and yeah, of, yeah. It was, uh, uh, it was a labor of love. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, it was a blast. But it turned out really good. And yeah, we got some yeah, good I'm very feedback. happy. On the sound of it as well, just like very raw and live, yep. and that, that's, that's exactly that's, what it is. That's, that's what I feel like we, full throttle is. <laughs> that's, what, well, that's what that's what we wanted. You exactly. Know? Like well, that was, that was, you asked me, I said, "Well, what do you you want me to make it? You know, clean and sharp, or you know?" And you said, "Loud." <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. And you know, had had all these other guys that were talking to him, and it's like. Oh, you can use like a electronic drums, and you can just cut and paste. And it's like, right. what? The? Just go in there, smash. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's so, all. That's all you got to do. Just record one one riff, and you say, like, okay, see you later. Yep. <laughs> you get go with that. Yeah. So yeah, that was a blast, though. Yeah, we did. So I did that one. Right now, I'm in the middle of uh, doing a song for my friend Jen. Someone. She, uh, I worked with her, I met her through the musical that uh, Ivan, I heard, was just here yes. earlier today. Yes. So, uh, someone the musical, I worked on that, um, and I met Jen through there, and so I'm working on recording a single for her. Right. So, yeah, we got most of the tracks laid down, just mixing and mastering, and we'll have that. Uh, I'm not sure what she's planning to do with it yet, but I'm sure it'll be something great. Yeah. Well... Can you fit some sleep in there? Or oh, there? man. Sleeps for later when I'm dead, when I'm dead man. <laughs> the Bon Jovi yeah. sleep when I'm dead, yeah. <laughs> awesome. A starting question yeah. um, about the pandemic. Awesome. You were here in Shanghai, yep. and uh, yep. for people, especially in Australia, it's uh, for them, they only see the bad things on the news and in the media, so they don't really get the true stories of like people that actually lived in this time right so so tell us how was it for you like like with, with your work and being shut down yeah. and how, how did you adapt to it and were your family safe as well yeah timing wise it was kind of strange for me because i had quit my job about a week before covid happened um so i had just i had just quit my job um i was the director of a school mm. and so i quit my job and i was ready to head out and i was going to head back home uh, you know, see the family, get every, you know, do the normal stuff and then head back, um, probably somewhere in Southern Europe or something. And COVID happened. And so obviously things got froze, you know, I wasn't really sure what to do, but I just knew I didn't, I didn't want to be out traveling, uh, yeah. you know, because I think one thing, especially like you say, people in Australia and these other parts of the world, I, you know, everybody's got their own stories about COVID. But one thing that I think is unique about the Chinese experience here is that, Nobody knew what was going on yeah. when we got here. You know, and when it started, there was no kind of, oh, we kind of have an idea of what this is. You know, like, I remember I first heard about it a lot, you know, probably weeks before it was like a, a thing, a major thing. And people were talking about, oh, there's like some new, it's pneumonia. Mm. You know, and people were saying, ah, oh, it's some kind of pneumonia. And, but nobody really knew what it was, you know, because obviously it takes a while to figure out what's going on. And so, yeah, we didn't really know what was going on. And then by then when we figured out, I mean, uh, I think in Shanghai, the lockdown was very sudden. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like I woke up one morning and I was like, everything's closed. <laughs> you know, like, And there were guys, you know, there were these security guards. They, um, you know, like my complex, my apartment complex had, uh, we had three or four entrances. We're down to one still. 
um, because immediately when it happened, they shut down all the entrances and exits um, in and out of the complex. And they said, nope, this is the only way in and out. We're gonna check your, you know, check your temperature, make sure that you're wearing a mask all the time when you're anywhere that you go inside. So yeah, it was it was real sudden, and um, they I know they hired a bunch of extra people just to walk my neighborhood because some of the some of the businesses like some of the smaller bakeries and stuff were kind of they were trying to reopen, yeah. you know, and when they were trying to reopen these neighborhood guys would come down and they say, nope, you, you got to shut it down. Like we're serious. Like, yeah, <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is, you know, you got to stop. Everybody just, you know, they were, they were, it was very tight lockdown. I remember, you know, I'd go out for walks like late at night when it was empty and kind of, I'd walk around the street and I'd be wearing my mask when I was like, you know, in the middle of the road by myself and all this. Cause nobody knew, like nobody yeah. knew what, it, what to do. Like, we just knew that there was something, and we were like, it's in the air somewhere. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, like, we're exactly. And so that's all we knew. We didn't know anything about, you know, now we, they're, you know, they're starting to get where it's like, okay, we know like in certain situations, like you, you don't need to wear a mask. You yes. know, if you're vaccinated, you got a, you know, mask, like, or you're, you know, outdoors or something. Okay, we understand these things. Like, and we're refining it always. You know, it's a, it's a thing that doesn't happen often. People don't live through this twice usually. Yeah. You know, so this is kind of new for everybody. I mean, here it was quick. I, I mean, I can't complain at all, really. Honestly, when I look at, you know, the rest of the world, I, you know, it's it's rough because we were, I think, I kept a, a diary of it, and it was about maybe it was like a couple months that I was like locked into my apartment mm, more or yeah. less, you know, like, and not locked in. I mean, I could go out and shop and get the necessities, but yeah, for you know maybe a month or two, we were I was just stuck, you know. But hell, I'm my family back home, you know, some of them, they've been locked in for like 13, 14, 15 months, you know, something like that. Yeah. It's, you know, I can't, I can't even imagine honestly what it's like. I, and I, yeah, I feel for, I feel anybody that's dealing with that every day, you know, like I talk to my mom all the time. Like my family's, my family's managed to, they got all the way through, yeah, every, I think everybody's all the way through where they're all fully vaccinated now and nobody got sick. You know, so like they've, but they, you know, they, they locked down, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't play these games, you know, they decided, all right, we're gonna, we don't know what it is either. And I, you know, and I kind of instilled some fear in them a little bit, to be honest, when it first happened, because they were like, what, what do you, what do you do? What is yeah. it? I was like, I was like, just stay home. I was, <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know. Wash your uh, clothes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Cause I remember like, I'd go out and I'd be wearing gloves and everything. And then when I'd come in, I'd be scrubbing everything yeah. down with bad, you know, the sanitizer and all this, like, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather be safe than sorry to be honest That's with right. that kind of stuff. It's yeah. like, yeah, there was something when things opened back up, I think like there was this just, everyone had this desire, you know, like. That was like, so the, the band I was in, um, Carbon, we just played our last show, uh, you know, not long ago. Um, oh, that was great. So yeah, unfortunately some of the guys just uh, too busy, like, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. But we had our last show. We played our first show just after COVID, after we reopened. Like, I, th I think it was probably about the first live show after COVID reopened. Oh. It was a Lofus show. And yeah, we played with um, played with Round Eye. We had that show, and that was our first show. And we had been practicing in the C's basement, you know, for a while. And right. oh man, once we came out, we just like we just wanted to play every weekend, you know. We just wanted to go to every show we could, and you know, that was really that was the first time for me. That was you know that was the first time I really started to get involved in the Shanghai music scene much. 
you know, like I didn't didn't really know anybody in the in bands or anything. I, you know, I'd always kind of we'd always been isolated in seas because that wasn't a live music place really. Oh, you yeah. know, it never was until about a year, year and a half ago or something. Yeah. And you know, and so yeah, when when that kind of became a part of my life, I was like, oh, it feels so good to do that again because like for most of my adult life, like that's that's I've always played music. Even when I, for years, I wasn't in bands or anything, but I, you know, and I was always playing, I played, every, I played guitar every day and, you know, every day since I've been here in Shanghai, probably, you know, like I was before that, uh, you know, I lived in Spain, I was, I bust or I, well, throughout Europe, I just, I was just a busker, just street performer, like, I just went around doing that for years, like, you know, it was, it was just part of my life to make yeah. music and like meet other people that are making music. So it's great. Yeah. Once, once it started happening and then, yeah, all of a sudden you meet all these, you know, people that are very like-minded, you know, when it comes to music as being like this special thing, yes. you know, because I think, you know, not that only musicians have that, but I think there is something that, you know, people that are in bands and musicians and things, they kind of, it's, it's so, it's such a part of their soul, you know, that I think it's, is pretty, it's pretty special to meet when you meet people that feel that same way. You're like, okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah, it's, that's like, right. it's, it's like, I know I get super excited about this, but I, all right, I'm not the only one, yeah. you know, yeah, for sure. No, no live music to watch, no live music to play. So yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely feel you. Did you do any writing in that, that sort of time off or it was full lockdown? Like, yeah yeah oh yeah during the so when i was during lockdown i mean i did like you know i do diary entries regularly uh i would say i was writing more like poems and stories though not songs as much so i think i always kind of think music and writing in general and just like you know that's uh, you know my creative outlet like i can't draw for shit like, you know like i can't i can't paint i can't do anything i can't do anything when it comes to you know like looking at things visual art as i'm lost you know like i love looking at it and i i interpret it in my own way yeah but man i'm terrible at creating it you know <laughs> so for me it's always been about you know words and just oral things you know listening to stuff and then just you know writing stories writing poems writing song lyrics you know that kind of stuff so yeah i kind of i never really finished a lot of it to be honest i think a lot of it was just an outlet, so I didn't have to really think about stuff. <laughs> right. You know, I think that's, for me, that's a lot of what writing is, I think. It's, yeah. you know, just writing in general is about, like, okay, just get it out and kind of put your space, put your mind in a space where it's it's free and you're not worrying about the world, you mm. know. You know, like, obviously, the world seeps in when you're writing. Yeah. That's just, you don't have to try to write the world. The world comes at you hard, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> like... You just kind of keep writing and keep, you know, trying to do what you're doing and and then you live life and somehow life shows up in the art. You know? <laughs> right. Like it's just well, how it well, is. I, it's a beautiful thing. Well I guess not not wanting to write about COVID as well, like uh, right. uh, as well. So I guess that's another thing like uh are you gonna do something with that in the future? You know, like like a story, story. What I did then? Write, write, that sto- stuff? Write, write stories or poems or. Oh, with like writing stories, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I st- I still do that a lot. Like I write lately. I've been writing music a lot more. You know, trash with uh, panda. Right, trash panda. We've been writing a lot of stuff. I'm working also. I'm trying to get a solo set together. Okay. Uh, so I'm trying to yeah like refine the songs I have and figure out which ones I want to use like. Yeah. 
I guess, like I say, I write a lot, and so I have way too many songs. You know, like I was the other day. I was uh, I lost my phone because I'm an idiot, and like I had I had like over a thousand songs, like partially done. You know, and and I ended up finding like 500 of them. You know, but it's still I lost like 600, and they were the most the 600 most recent ones. So I was like, ah, shit. I was like, that was a lot of. That's a lot of work there that I, uh, you know, am missing now. So I've been trying to recreate some of them, but most of them it's like, you know, I just recorded them on my phone and never thought about them again because I was like, oh, maybe if I use, I'll use them in the future for something, yeah, right. you know, and because you always, you never assume your phone's going to get, actually get lost. That's yeah. what happens to other people. Exactly. That never happened to me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how could that happen? But turns out, you know, <laughs> It does happen. But uh, let's go back to uh, where you come from originally. Uh, so I do believe you are from Detroit, Michigan. I'm, I'm Michigan. from Michigan, but I'm from the other side from Detroit. About oh. maybe three, probably about three and a half hours, something like that. Yeah, right. yeah. So yeah, Detroit's over there on the east side. So everybody everybody in Michigan knows that this the state looks like a mitten. It's the shape of the mitten. So... For for the sake of uh, everyone everyone here in the podcast, I'm just gonna point to this Craig. I'm from right here, okay? That 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 mitten shape right here on my hand, right. that's right there, Grand Rapids, right on the west mid, west, western lower western part of Michigan. So yeah, I'm from yeah I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan originally. Uh, Does it freeze up in the winter? Oh yeah yeah yeah. We I mean that was a big part of the reason I left. I I hate I hate cold weather. I hate like the you know extreme cold. Oh, yeah. Shanghai's fine, you know it doesn't get that cold. But no, I yeah we you know we can I we lived on a we lived on a gravel pit and it froze up every year. We could go ice skating and ice fishing wow. and all this on top of it. So it, it was too cold. You know it was too cold for its own good. Well, I actually so I don't live in the city proper. I live uh, it's about a maybe a five minute bicycle ride. Through the um, through the trails uh, to in a it's a small area called Walker, um, so I'm it's actually Walker, but I think of it as Grand Rapids because it's it's right there, and that's yeah. and I you know Grand Rapids is definitely much bigger than Walker. Right. Uh, yeah, I, w- I actually went to school in Grandville, which is another kind of suburb of that area. But yeah, Grand Rapids is really I think of that as home. I think like when I go back home. I spend as much time as I can, you know, well, obviously with my family, and then I try to balance that with just being anywhere, you know, the downtown area, the east town area, like, it's a it's a great place, especially if, you, if you're into bicycles, oh man, if you love riding bicycles, that's a spot, and it's, and it's not easy bicycling, like, yeah, like, for people, uh, yeah, for people that have never been to Shanghai, this is an easy ride on a bicycle, it's, it's flat, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's great. You're just yeah. kind of going everywhere, but yeah, like yeah. Back home, I do a lot of bicycling. Um, I was in. I mean, I started. Like I started playing music. I was trying to think about the other day because uh, I knew I was coming on this podcast. And I was trying to think when did I start playing music, and it was probably like I think I was like nine or ten. I played. I played. Um, I had an old classical guitar, and my dad taught me a couple chords. And I was like, I was like, no, I was like, I don't want to play like that, you know? And so I just like, 
as a punishment to him, I stopped playing guitar. And oh. so, like, and then, like, three or four years later, I picked it back up, and I was like, actually, I really wanted to play. I was just, I thought I was being a badass by not playing guitar, <laughs> you know? Like, so, but then I picked it up again, and then, yeah, that's when I actually started to play music. Um, but right about that same time, I was, yeah, I was probably 14 when I started playing music, like, seriously. And I immediately started writing my own songs and got in a band. Um, so yeah, we were we were in the we had the battle of the bands. Uh, first band was called the Outbreeds, and we were just awful, you know. As everybody's first band when you're 14, yeah. playing for the battle of the bands is. We got disqualified twice, like <laughs> awful. So start early. It wasn't great, but then like we played. Um, there's a band. The next band I got was Drive. So this this terrible tattoo that I got right here oh, that was that says Drive. Believe it or not, it, I know it just looks like a lumpy mess. But uh, I got that. That was uh, my first tattoo. It was a it was a free one because we they couldn't afford to pay us. But they were like, "Well, we'll give you we'll give you you know a tattoo with these dirty needles we got here." And I was like, "Cool, I'm, I'm 14. Done. I don't know what I'm doing." <laughs> so yeah, so I got together with some guys uh, you know over there in Granville, and we played some music, and yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we played around. There's a there's another band. So the guy. Uh, that was the drummer then, but then became the bassist and singer of a really, really great band worth checking out called North Lincoln. They're not around anymore, but man, they they had some they had some awesome records. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like so. Yeah, check yeah. those guys out, North Lincoln. But so, what music uh, were you listening to at that stage? And were your family sort of in the entertainment industry? Like, were they like uh, playing music as well? Or? I kind of have two sides, I guess. I always see it as two sides of me when it comes to music. Like, I very much am into bands like The Queers, uh, Screeching Weasel, um, anything that was like the early or like mid 90s, like East Bay punk. You know, it was like. One, two, three, four. Keep, right. A lot of, a lot of <laughs> one, two, three, fours. A lot of, um, like, look out. Uh, their, their big band was Green Day. The very the first two albums uh, that Green Day released were on yeah. Lookout. And they had a ton of just great pop punk stuff, and I was always really into that. Um, but then on the other side of it was all the stuff I got from my dad because uh, my dad he's like, he he taught me how to play guitar. Like he's he's played guitar he played guitar his whole life, you know, oh. pretty much. And so yeah, that's every kind every time I had a question like how do you play this or how do you do that, I learned his way. And he was he's really into folk music. Like he was very much more like kind of folk, you know, rock rock folk type stuff. And so, like, there's always that side of me is, like, kind of how I see it. It's there uh, because it's very different. There's similarities, but it's very different in tone and yeah. style. You know, it's a little, it's much more mellow. Like, well, like, my, so my middle name is Donovan, uh, named after the Scottish folk singer Donovan. Oh, and so I always yeah. thought, you know, I, I always had to listen to Donovan because that, I was like, well, I'm named after him. I have to be familiar, you right. know. So, <laughs> so I was, yeah, so I always listened to a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, like, my mom always, like, she's... She has a decent ear and she can sing, but it was funny because she always knew how to play one song on guitar and it would change sometimes, but as soon as she learned that next song, she'd forget the old one. And so she had to keep switching songs. And the, the one that she stuck with mostly was Love is a Rose by Neil Young. Right. So that, but that was like, that way it was always like, oh, you can know one song. Like, that's all you can know at a time, you know, for some reason. So, but yeah, she, we, well, we grew up like, you know, in my house, there was a there was like a room. We had two, uh, an electronic organ. We had a piano. We had, you know, twelve string guitar, three or four uh, acoustic guitars, electric guitar, bass. Yeah, just about everything. The drums came later, 
But um, my family, they were always really supportive. They didn't understand punk rock. They like because I play in the basement and I'd just be down there making noise half the time as they saw it. But they were always supportive of me. You know, they if it got to be too late, they'd tell me to turn it down a bit. But my dad, uh, my dad built a workshop behind our garage one time. And I was like, oh man, you know it'd be great in there? Some drums, some bass, guitar stuff, some guitar stuff. And so eventually I started to piece by piece fill it in. And then we had band practice. And I was like, hey, why don't we just, your workshop, can we practice in there? And eventually he was like, yeah, yeah, fine. He's like, it's just a practice space. I get it. (laughs) So so he kept his tools around the outsides. And then we filled it with all the musical instruments and we got to practice in there. So yeah, both my parents were always pretty supportive. Fun times. In a way of yeah, like they didn't they didn't necessarily understand. They still don't. Uh, posted a couple videos the other day, and my my mom saw him and she's like, oh, she's like Jack, I don't know about you. She's like, uh, you, you got to warn me before you do videos. She's like, you're not wearing any clothes, you know. <laughs> I'm like I'm like well yeah, but uh, you know like look at look at what I'm really doing, you know. And she's like ah, I know I know I know. Just listen to the music, so, right? So like. Yeah, she. I think she. She sees the humor in it all. I think. Uh, like, I think having a good sense of humor is an important, uh, important thing to have in life. You know, Alice Cooper and Kiss and all that, and Manson and ripping up the. Uh, right. Why can't you do that? Right. I can. Why not? That's have, the question. Why can't I do that? Yeah, stuff? That's right. And were you do doing that? that even at the early uh, early stages? Oh had... yeah, I guess that's always been my one of my shticks. Like, I remember. Yeah. Outside a place called Ten Weston, you know, there was, there was like ten people there, but in the little building next door or something, there were like twenty or thirty people in there. So, I would I had been drinking, you know, coffee mugs full of vodka outside on the sidewalk, just like being an idiot. And I came inside, and nobody was you know nobody was at the show hardly. So I just yeah took it all off you know stripped it on down and all of a sudden everybody from all the other buildings came running in they're like i heard there's this whoa look at this guy you know and i was like oh okay i get it this is how this works I, you know like cheap tricks you know like, i'm not above cheap tricks you know yeah. did you have any recordings with these bands you know yeah drive we had i don't remember to be honest probably i would say maybe up to like 35 40 songs recorded total uh there's a guy my buddy's kevin nunn i hadn't talked to him in a long time i don't talk to most people back home to be honest it's you know i i don't i don't really look on facebook much i don't yeah. yeah it's hard to keep in contact when i get back there though i just talk to him but yeah he had he had kept a record of all the songs we ever recorded as drive right. um and so yeah he's he's actually the guitarist and uh singer from that band north lincoln i mentioned right. and so yeah and so he's got he's, he's got it all somewhere you know and uh, yeah I, I listened to it man probably 10 years ago or something i went back and listened i was like oh that's fun yeah. like, i don't know if it's good but it's fun <laughs> Just brings back all these memories. Exactly, there, exactly. Yeah. That's all. It's nostalgia. Like, yeah, because yeah, well, I think the only other thing that I got from Grand Rapids, I recorded. I was in a, I was in a band for a few, at least a few months. That had to be while I was in between traveling. Uh, you know, I because like I said, I just I kind of just traveled around for a few years, and like while I was back home for a few months, saving up some money, I I was in a band with. Um, few of my buddies uh one of the guy adam like i was just i was considered him my bass player because like i never it was very rare that i'd have a band or anyone i'd play with without being him as the bass player because he's he's great you know yeah, and, like, yeah. and we were like you know just really close we were, we were, on, we we're on the same wavelength for sure yeah. um but now he's got this he's got this band called bong mountain 
Uh, Bong Mountain, also another awesome band. They're they're currently playing. Uh, you know, uh-huh. they they they're still doing live stuff. They've re- released a few things on Bandcamp, like just great stuff. But yeah. we, uh, me, him, and then a couple other guys, we yeah, we recorded under uh, the name Hot Biscuit. And so we recorded an album, uh, and then basically ran out of time. We recorded the album, and you know we didn't really. I don't think we played a single show. You know we just kind of like laid down the tracks, and we were ready. And I was like, "Well, I got enough money to fuck off, so I'm out of here." <laughs> you know, <laughs> took off. Such is life. You know, you, you, so sometimes true. you just got to get moving. You know, I did the same thing, exactly the same thing. Yeah, with, with my band in Australia, we were we recorded. Almost an album. It was eight, eight tracks. And then the next day, I was like, I've got to do my guitar bits because tomorrow I'm flying to Brazil. <laughs> I'm going to Brazil for a month. Right. And it's like, all right, I've done my part. See you later. Right. <laughs> and we, I, I don't... That was never released either, so I was just sitting, yeah. just sitting there. Oh. So maybe one day it'll see the light of day and, right oh, yeah, that'd be a right, that'd be a fun one to go back <laughs> yeah go back and listen to yeah mm-hmm. like you said nostalgia factor yeah like, that's that's always yeah, that's always a good time oh yeah that was, that was. <laughs> I forgot all about that yeah it's like, i listened to like, a few years back i think it was i listened to those hot biscuit songs and i was like oh, okay like some of it wasn't bad but i honestly couldn't play a single part i was like i don't remember any of it I was like, <laughs> like this is just this is all just you know Riffs that I played for like three months, I don't know, seven years, eight years, nine years ago or something. Like, you know. <laughs> was it easy for you to write songs even at that stage? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think writing songs is, writing good songs is hard, but like, <laughs> writing songs is the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> Whether they're good or bad. Right. That's, yeah, like. Irrelevant. It's, yeah, exactly. And I think, and I think that's the whole thing about like, for me, I think. The songwriting is, it's not about, you know, oh, I have this brilliant idea and this is going to be the song and this is the one I should spend all my time on. It's like, no, you should write it and you should finish it and then you should go back and draft it a bit and edit it a bit. But while you're doing that, you should be working on at least two to three other things. You know, if you only have one song, it's going to be stale. You know, you need your brain to be in a few different modes so that you can kind of play off this one and then you can move it over here. You can take a week off on this one, you know, and just knock them out, you know, just play songs, get songs. And then because everybody's in reality, like if you write 20 songs, you might get one or two that are worth a shit. You know, like most every song that any of us are ever going to write is garbage. Yeah. You know, like, and it's fine. That's that's beautiful. Like, to us, they mean something, you know, as individuals and as the person who created them. But it's like I said, I lost like five, six hundred songs the other day. And it's like, well, it sucks. But it's like, to be fair, it's probably like two good ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not like this massive <laughs> loss to the world. Like, I'm not, you know, it's not like, oh, man, we found this treasure trove of Van Gogh's here. Like, it's like, no, yeah. like, you lost like, I had like. 800 bad riffs and like 300 <laughs> terrible lyrics like oh man the world is now incomplete because of my my stupid iphone someone's gonna form a band and have all these tunes and new tunes it's like wait a hey, second they're, they're welcome to them man if they can make them good i would be shocked <laughs> a little bit of credit for it yeah. right yeah, just throw me a little yeah writer's credit can i have my phone back as well <laughs> right yeah i had some I had my well, I got my pictures off it actually. I, the only oh, thing right. I actually cared about was the yeah, the music that was yeah, on it. Yeah, everything yeah. else was, yeah, everything else was backed up. 
So. Right. So you said that in that period as well, you did some traveling. So uh, mm. you said you did some busking in Europe. Is it, was that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I left. I graduated. So I I didn't go to college until uh, quite late. It was about twenty four. So when yeah, I graduated. You, what, what do you call it back at home? Like a gap year? Like you. You finished oh, high like school. A, and I had like yeah. a gap six years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever. Like that's something, something like that. You right. know? So I, I, the way I see it, I basically worked every job that I never wanted to work again. Right. And then I was like, okay, but I've done it. You know, I worked, I worked a lot of different things. I did, you know, I was, I worked in restaurants a long time. That was kind of my main thing was always just, well, you know, usually cooking Chef sometimes. Yeah. You sometimes waiter. Mm-hmm bus host whatever i you know just kitchen kitchen grunt that's all i was you know yeah. mostly but then um yeah i did uh did i sold vacuum cleaners door to door uh i sold potpourri pillows and wow, duck umbrellas and all kinds of just weird you know <laughs> yeah. like whatever like whatever you could fit in a like duffel bag basically we would just fill up duffel bags film from our cars like go to the warehouse with 3,000 things right and I would just literally talk to every person talk to like 250 300 people a day and you would just sit there and I'd just be like hey blah 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 and like you know you you gotta I think that is how you yeah you just get the door slammed in your face so many times after a while you stop caring about that and you just like for me and I think a lot of the people that do it for a long time they just have to try to get a smile out of the person so it's not so much about selling things because you know that kind of sales is like it's just works off the law of averages it's like if you talk to 300 people a day there's like 20 people that are gonna buy stuff you know and so like the other people you don't have to be pissed you don't have to like be an asshole to them you don't have to do anything you could just like have a joke and then have a laugh with them and be like all right thanks anyway see ya you know i don't have time to sit here and argue with you you know and so like you kind of just move on and and I, I, I kind of liked it. Uh, it was it was long hours. It was hard. I, I ended up like helping to run one of the offices and open a new office in Indiana, Fort Wayne. Right. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Don't. Uh, it's... <laughs> you know, and also because I was doing door-to-door sales, it's people aren't nice to door-to-door salespeople in general. You know, so... For me, it was like, I go into this new city, I don't know anything in Fort Wayne. And it wasn't, actually, like, I very, very rarely actually sold things in Fort Wayne. Because we did the whole three-hour circuit all the way around all the cities, you know, that were in Indiana there. And so, it was just kind of, it was tough work. And after a while, I was just like, I don't have, my heart's not in it, you know. And so, I just left. And then, yeah, I left, and after that, and I probably... What did you study, sorry? Oh, so I studied I studied history and philosophy. Right. Probably after I left with sales and things, that was kind of, I probably just, you know, bumbled around from cook job to cook job and that kind of stuff and, you know, doing whatever. And then, uh, yeah, then I, I went to a little community college in Grand Rapids and got an associate's degree, which is a two-year degree. I don't mm. think, I don't know if most countries have associate's degrees. Yeah. It's like a... Right. We have like diplomas, we call them. Oh, okay. Like a college sort of thing. And yeah, you go yeah. in there, you get two years, three years. Yeah. Right, that's ours for two years. I mean, mine took three years, but I was doing part-time because I was also working full-time at the same time. Right. Um, yeah, because that's the other thing in America. It's like you kind of got to work full-time just to be able to go to school oh. full-time or you yeah. know, to pay and keep your bills and everything. And so... Yeah, it was a lot of times doing, I'd be working like three or four jobs plus going to school 
It was it was pretty miserable. <laughs> and, I and I didn't know like with the waitress waiters and waitresses in the U.S. like there's such low salaries and they rely so much yeah. on the tip. Right. So, it's um, yeah. It's about two sixty five an hour. And I was uh, tipping them heavy because like I couldn't believe how low they was. Yeah. For it's like. Yeah, and I mean that's you know my opinion, which doesn't matter at all. But my opinion on that is that it's just it's the employers trying to be cheap. Because they they don't have to bring that out of their pocket, you yeah. know. They and in the end, the the argument I guess would be that you know, well, the waiters and waitresses still they still get a good, good pay. They actually get paid a lot more than the cooks often, you know, because the tips add up pretty well. But still, uh, I think the employers should pay a living reasonable wage instead of passing off passing the buck and kind of pocketing that money and then expecting all of their patrons to be yeah. paying that money. You know, I think that's, it's a more fair way. And, you know, I, I think it's more, more gives you more guarantees because if you have a bad night, that means you don't get, you yeah. hardly get anything, you know? And so, yeah, it's a, it's a strange system. I liked waiting tables cause I made more money, you know, than I did cooking, but also I, cooking is more consistent. It was more, and I was just better at it. I think, you know, that's, well, I guess it's for good customer service, but that's I think that's one of the reasons why in Australia we don't have it at all. And, like, it's just you pay uh, the goods and services tax in the bill. So right. there's no sort of arguing over tips and, you know, right. you only gave me this much and, yeah, so right. just, okay, that's your total bill. And that's kept forgetting how to tip. The first time I was there, I didn't tip the pizza guy, and he got pissed. And right, <laughs> right, because yeah, it's true. You have to know like what kind of things do you tip, what kind of things do you. I'm not so, tip. I'm so used to it. I just like, oh, pizza's here, cool, see you, bye. Slam the door <laughs> in his face, and he's like, uh, like, no, you're like, man, <laughs> like, oh, this no. guy, like, what I, what I do, piss in his cornflakes? <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I? I think one, I did one of my more interesting jobs that I didn't do for long. But it was like it was trying to get signatures for Michigan state amendments from the Michigan Senate, and that was like a weird one uh, because like I barely even knew what the amendment was about. But it was just my <laughs> job to go try to collect signatures, and, and so it was just kind of you had to like you just gave them a piece of paper and they would read it, and then they would be like yes or no, and there wasn't much you could say. It was just that you had to go out. Wait a couple minutes for them to read it and then like move <laughs> on. <laughs> Were you getting people signed like Donald Duck and you know? Oh yeah, yeah. Most of them didn't. Uh, I think probably like five percent actually <laughs> were like fully officially registered because all the information had to be right. They had to give me all you know. They had to give me like their grandma's maiden name and oh. like all this like just all kinds of nonsense, you know. And so it was. Yeah, I didn't make a lot of money. It was interesting to do for a little bit, but I was also working three other jobs at the time. And so I was like, well, I'm doing a laundromat, two kitchens, and this. I was like, "Uh, one of these has to go, and the only one that's really not paying me anything (laughs) is this one that's signing a, you know, getting people to sign a clipboard, and they're not doing it. Oh, yes, Senate. (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, so I scratched that. Kept work, yeah. Kept going on with uh, education for yeah a couple of years. Then I graduated. When I graduated in, from Grand Rapids, uh, then I decided to go to Texas. And so uh, because, like I said, I was I just hate cold weather. It really bothers me, you know. And so I I decided I would go to Texas. 
Uh, that and many other reasons, but that was one of the main ones. Uh, you just want uh, to catch up with uh, radio, right? Right. I was, oh, man. I can't believe I didn't run into radio down in Corpus Christi. I, like, I was in San Antonio, so I was, oh, yeah, I, I right. was only a few hours away. Wow, I wasn't that far go. away. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad I ran up with a, caught up with him now, though. You know? <laughs> He's a good dude. Just a small world in Shanghai. Yeah, just made up in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I went to the University of Texas, San Antonio. Um, so, I did that. Had I... I'd never been to Texas when I got there. Uh, had I known how how much cooler Austin is, I would have just gone there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I went to San Antonio and had, didn't realize that Austin is actually way more the type of place that I would like to hang out in. Right, right. And so, yeah. So, I went over there. I went over to Austin a few times while I was there. But it took me uh, about three years to finish getting my degree and then the day, the day that I graduated, I was on a plane to Dublin. Uh, yeah, like I, I left. My mom came down to, from Michigan to Texas to see me off. You know, see me prove that I wasn't lying to her that I actually got a degree. You know, I think that's actually what she was doing. Then, <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I'm not sure, but I have I have my suspicions. Uh, the, the, she maybe didn't believe me completely that I graduated. <laughs> I mean, because that's how it was with high school. It's like, I, you know, it was like, I didn't get to go to... Also, she didn't get to go to her graduation because I, I ended up uh, screwing that up and I wasn't allowed to walk the graduation and neither was my family and all that. So, <laughs> so, I think she just wanted to have a chance to do that. And so she did. Um, yeah, she got... And I graduated, graduated uh, magna cum laude with honors. So I worked worked my ass off. Uh, I, I earned it. And then I was immediately like, no, I'm... I want to go see these things that I've been studying in history, you know, yeah. for the past six years. You know, it took me about six years to get the degree. And so I was like, all right, I want to go see some of these places. And so, yeah, I just kind of showed up in Dublin, stayed there for a little bit. And then just kind of, I took like a roundabout way all the way through the, the north part of Europe, got over to around uh, the Czech Republic, and then kind of circled my way back down and then landed in Spain at some point. Mm. And then that was, like, when I got to Spain, I really liked it, and I kind of decided, like, okay, maybe I'll spend more time here. So I just traveled around Spain for quite a while. I don't know exactly how long. Um, And then I moved in. I moved in with a girl in uh, Barcelona. Uh, We lived lived there. We ended up getting married for a while. Uh, Then... Yeah, and then uh, we came here to Shanghai, and then uh, that didn't work out. So she headed back home, and then uh, I stayed here. And so it was, yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, it was like Spain was always the, like I still talk about probably that's where I'll go back. Because I always feel like that was kind of like my place, the place that I felt most comfortable in. Yeah, (laughs) and it was, and I, and because I, I studied Spanish as well, and you know, and living in Texas, I had an opportunity to practice my Spanish a lot, so that was great. And so, yeah, so I feel like it was just, it was nice. It was, you know, I had, uh, you know, whether it was like the north is kind of special and it has its own thing, but then you go down south and it's very rustic and all like kind of mountains and you're just, you know, you feel, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was something I was like, okay, I was like, I I like this area. And so I'll probably go back. Yeah. Like I'm looking to actually probably, I'll probably be leaving here sometime in the fall. I'm thinking, I'm thinking sometime in the fall. 
What's happening? Trash panda in the seas. Bar I know that's, that's. You're leaving back. You're leaving a, a big hole in. I, the... Nah, people, people, people fill holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, if there's a gap, it will be filled. I'm. Don't worry. Don't worry about missing me. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll miss everybody. <laughs> right? Like. I'll miss it, obviously. It's, I mean, this has been a, for me, this has been, you know, it's been a great time here. Yeah. It's, you know, it's been just this, yeah, this kind of unreal experience, all the people I've met, you know, and I feel like one of my favorite things about Shanghai is that it's just kind of like anything is possible, like, you know, like, yeah. even, you know, like any, like any dumb idea that I have that I'm like, oh, I, I want to do like a thing, you know, I want to like throw this big party and like rent this bar where we have this and live music comes in and we'd like we all dress up with like neon stuff and then we like over here we've got foosball and over here we've got beer pong all like in this underground maze bar and it's like oh okay cool we, we just go over here and do that you know like a phone call, you exactly know? it's like everything is like everything is everywhere you know and you're just kind of like oh okay there's you know there's there's always so much going on and so it's so easy just to like to kind of have it go too fast, I think that's one thing. Is as you know, as I I'm, I haven't wrapped my head around the fact that you know I'm looking at leaving soon, really. Mm. Um, but as I do, I kind of yeah, I start to reflect a little bit on it, and I'm like, yeah, this is like, there's a lot of things I'll miss. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that man, I'll never I'll never get that again. You know, there's certain things I'll never get again. Not trying, not trying to get too sentimental, but yeah. But even, even still, I'm sure you would have the same feelings when you're in Spain and when you're in Texas. Right. Every every time, yeah. Every time I leave, it's yeah. I mean, but I feel like the thing is, like, you got, you just got to keep on going. Yeah. You know, like I, sure. you know, it's I, I hear a lot of people. You know, a lot of people back um, back home, like a lot of my family. You know, they, I don't know, they they think I, I, it seems weird to them that. I don't have this desire to just to go back home. Not just. I, I don't mean to belittle the idea. It's like, but they they think it's very strange that I don't want to go back home. You know, I get the question a lot. Like, well, why don't you, when are you going to come back home? And it's, you know, and to me, I'm like, well, home is great. You know, like, it's awesome. And I, I'll always come back there. Yeah. Of course. I like, you know, like, I love a lot of the people there. And like, the place is amazing. And I love to see what's changed and what's going on. But, <laughs> but, but I haven't seen like this other place in the world at all ever. I was like, I have no idea what's going on there. You know, it's kind of how I ended up here. You know, like I didn't know anything about anything here. And I was like, well, you know what? You know how you could find out? Go there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and I did like everybody else in Shanghai where I was like, all right, I'll come to Shanghai for one year and then I'm going to leave. <laughs> And here I am, like six uh, years and something later. <laughs> you know, that's gonna everybody be, though. It's got to be a T-shirt. Exactly. Like that, or a bumper every, sticker. Everybody, yeah. Yeah. every single person. I feel oh, like every an, person I know oh, has that story. It's an experience. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. One year I'll, I'll be a teacher. Be right. Be the teacher in the training school. I'll do yeah. this. So, you know, like that's it. Travel all over China. Right. And then I'll come back all refreshed and ready to go. It's like. No, no, it's it's just no, it's like I said, it's right. It's so it's just so easy to live here. I think is a lot of it. And once you do start, yeah, once you start meeting people, yeah, it's you know, it's like man, you know, it is like it's a like Shanghai is a village, you know. And I've heard it said before. I didn't invent this idea, but it is a village, you know. Like you, you go and you have these same circles of people that you know, like oh, okay, everybody goes, you know. 
going over to Spectres, you're going over to Inferno, you're going over to Seas, you're going, you know, all these like the hot spots, you know, and you yeah. see the same people at all of them. That's and then right. you might, you might catch up somewhere else doing something else, but it's like, you know, everybody, everybody's in these few places and it's great. You know, it's yeah. like, I love it. Like go to, go to Spectres on a Friday night. That's awesome. That's yeah. like the greatest time ever. You just right. go there, you feel like you know everybody, you know, you just kind of, oh, look at all, look at all my friends. <laughs> like, this is great. They're playing, they're playing all my favorite music. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. same with Inferno. You go there, it's like, oh yeah, they, it's the same thing. It's that thing. Spectres is the punk rock bar. Inferno is the metal bar. Uh, and so like, what do you feel like tonight? Do you feel like punk rock? Do you feel like metal? What do you want? You know, <laughs> like it's, and it's going to be awesome either way, yeah. you know, for sure. Seas, you never know what you're gonna get. That's yeah. the thing. Is like I feel like Seas is always the wild card. Yeah. If you're like, ooh, we're not really, we're not really sure what we feel like. Let's start out at Seas and see what happens there. Yeah. You know? That room, man. There's something. There is something very, very odd in that place. Well, that I love it. it. Seems to be like a lot of history in there. Something. Yeah. I don't know how long right. it's been open for, but twenty years. Yeah. Right. Just over twenty years. Yeah. We celebrated the twentieth anniversary a few months back. Right. And yeah. And you can see it all on the walls. Oh, yeah. You can see all 20 years of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... I like it, though, because, yeah, every once in a while we'll do a party where we'll, you know, they'll redo a wall. So, right. you know, just everybody gets paints and everybody does whatever they want and they just repaint that wall with a bunch of crazy stuff on it. You know, and so, yeah, that's... You see, like, these... Oh, yeah, that was that party. Oh, this was that party. And also because that place is just a... It's a labyrinth. You know, I don't, it's probably, what, 10 rooms, something like that. And... Each room is just this kind of its own little alcove. You don't feel you feel like it's a separate bar, you know. And uh, but then you walk out and you're in the middle of it and everything's happening. You know? Yeah, that's right. It's such a yeah, it's such a strange place. But that's that's kind of my home bar. I work there most of the time. I mean, you know, on every I do every every live show there. Like I, I'm happy to be there to do the sound. Well, let, let's go forward. So yeah. tell tell us about the Seas Bar then, how that'll come together. Right. So Seas Bar, when I first started going there, it was probably a bit over two years ago. I want to say two, two and a half years ago, something and like that. And they didn't have live music there. No, no. It was just DJs. Um, no, it was just DJs that would come in into a tiny room like the size of a king-size bed, more or less. You know, that was, that was, the, that was the room, you know, and that was it. And so they'd come in and they'd have DJs come in. But um, in the back room, they had a practice space. And that, that back room had, you know, just the usual, the drums, guitar, bass, amps, that kind of stuff. And so that was where Carbon started practicing. Right. Um, and Carbon practiced there for probably like a year before we ever played a show. Because, um, you know, like, like our guitarist had never really picked up a guitar. Um, the drummer hadn't drummed in a long time. Um, and our bassist, also, he, Jared, he had just... He had started to come back to bass, you know, like he hadn't, he hadn't played in a long time. And so we were all kind of getting together, getting in. So it took us a while, you know, to kind of like gel and figure out what we were doing. Yeah. And then finally when we were like, we were kind of ready and we had, I think we had played, I think we had first played that show at Lofus after COVID. And then we, we were like talking to Jesse, the bar owner, and she's great. Like, yeah. we, we've known her the whole time and we always, you know, we always sit back, have a beer with her. And we were asking her like, oh yeah, you ever do live music here? And us and also the guys from Flip House and Rachel was also kind of pushing on it too from Flip House. 
um, also known as Gargoyle Girlfriend, also in Snuff Disco. Yes. We were all kind of like, oh man, it'd be great if we could do a show here. That'd be so cool. It's like, it looks like a punk rock bar. It looks yeah. like a punk rock dive bar, you know, the just all the graffiti and everything. And she was always a little hesitant, you know, but then one day we finally like convinced her, okay, let's, let's do a show, you know? So we did a show. I mean, the sound was terrible, but it brought a bunch of people in you yeah. know? and it was fun. Everybody, you know, it was this like so much energy and like Jesse loved it, you know, right away after that first show, she didn't, she didn't, I don't even think she cared like the sound cause she was at the bar. She, yeah, was right. dance, she didn't know what it sounded like. <laughs> she just knew that the people that were coming in were really cool and it Bought was a, a lot, lot of, of fun <laughs> and they were buying a lot of drinks and everyone was having a blast, yeah. you know? And so she was, yeah, she was, I think she was really into it right away as soon as that first show. And so we started just doing a once a month uh, show, first Fridays. And so we did that once a month for maybe like yeah five or six months or something. And then Rachel started doing chaos shows, which are art and music. And so she started doing these chaos shows at the end of the month, uh, every month. And then also then we started... I started... Me and Jared um, started doing a production company, Running Late. And we started doing... We started doing just... Pretty much Wednesday, every other Wednesday or so, something like that. Very informal, but uh, very irregular, I should say. Um, and then we, once Carbon kind of couldn't practice for a while, couldn't play shows for a while, we just started booking the shows on the first Friday and just kept doing that. You know, and then probably yeah, maybe four or five months ago, I feel like, it's where it's just like almost every weekend I feel like there's a show. Like I know this month, every week. You yeah. Know, we've got shows... Tomorrow we've got just oh my god! Tomorrow is going to be awesome. You should you should definitely be there. Or you, oh, you've got Kimera, a show tomorrow. Kamira Call right. Kamira Call Round Eye and Mega Dragon coming in from Nanjing. But yeah, we so we started doing just about every yeah just about every week. I feel like especially during the summer. I think because it's been strange this summer. I was talking to um, my buddy uh, Manouf that I I was chatting with earlier, and we were talking about like this is a really weird summer because usually during the summer everybody leaves yeah you know like it's like everybody in shanghai all the foreigners like they either go back home for the summer or they go travel like and they're gone yeah. right and so yeah. they're just gone you know and but this summer i mean it's just as busy as it is during the school year yeah you know and so it's it's really weird but it's meant that there's there's so much more going on you know <laughs> it's because also not even as just sees every weekend but everywhere everywhere every weekend you know that's you know it's yyt yyt park you know lofas i feel like every weekend there's some one or two awesome shows every weekend going on in each place all the open mics right right uh all the comedies have opened up like the the right i I haven't been to the comedy ones yet but i heard they're opening back up yes that's awesome like yeah and that's that's one thing also that I don't take for granted, you know, because it is, I know that it is not a lot of, there's not a lot of places, you know, back home, especially like, you know, in the U.S. where it's, it's, you can feel comfortable and safe about, you know, like, oh, okay, like we can open everything up, you know, pretty much. Everybody's getting there. I, you know, I just, I'm looking forward to the day where everybody can finally take Uh, a proper breath and just say, yeah, we're going to this show and that show and it's cool. Like, don't worry about it. And like, 
you know, and it might be a ways off from the sounds of things. And who, you know, yeah. who knows what's going to happen here? Even no, nobody knows. But yeah. we've we've done well so far, and I just hope everybody does well. You know, it's getting back. It's getting there slowly, and I I just think the one thing is that it's gonna make people want to go to more shows. And if you if an international band comes. You, you, oh, I'll go and see him next time. No, you go and see him now. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, right, really, yeah. this, you know, the idea of like, oh, you never know, you know, which yeah. fork, you know, if there's a fork in the road, take the one that's like, yes, yeah. I will. Don't <laughs> don't take that no yeah, fork. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, and tra- take those chances. Traveling, if you get holidays, it's like, Right. See you later. Right, yeah. do yeah, do it's everything like, you want to do. Close like, your eyes and just <laughs> right. Yup. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. For me, I, you know, and I and be quite honest with my in China, I talk a much bigger game than I do walk. You know, like I have not been many places in China. Like, I guess I to me, I do kind of feel like I get sucked into the Shanghai world, and I oh, just yeah. like I'm like, oh, I'm always too busy. Like, because even on the weekends, I'm like, well. I'm like working on a weekend or I'm playing a show on the weekend so it's always yeah. just like ah but I'm not really even complaining because it's like well I'm I'm loving it you know yeah. right it's like I, it's fine like yeah. I don't have any complaints but I do I do think I will regret when I leave China and have not seen a lot of the places that I wanted to see did or should get, have seen at least more did you go to Xi'an or uh, no, I haven't seen it? anything that's, that's what I'm saying like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah right yeah, right maybe. Exactly. It's like I've been to like, you know, maybe like four, four cities or Beijing. something. Right, I've been to like Beijing and Suzhou and Hangzhou, all like right next to you know Shanghai. Most of it, Nanjing, I think one time and like get on the speed train. Right, exactly. Like I just took the speed train tour. You know, like <laughs> no, like I, I will, I will see a few things before I go again. Like, but really, I think see that for me, like the going to Xi'an was like. That's one that I know, like, my brother has always talked about and wanting to see. And so part of me was, like, I'll wait until he is, like, Comes. ready and has an opportunity to go. And we, yeah. he can go. And maybe we can bring his kids and, like, my, you know, my uh, nephews. And, like, that'd be great. You know, be able to go have that trip. You know, and I can, like, I don't know Xi'an, but I know China a little bit. And, I you know, I can speak all right Chinese so I could get us around a little easier. I'd... I have all the apps and stuff, you know, that are necessary to travel around. So, like, I could make life a whole lot easier for him. You know, that'd be great, you know, have an opportunity to do that, you know. That'd so, like, something to look forward to. It's something to kind of push him, too. Cause, yeah. Because, uh, that'd be, that'd be good. So, you, you know, you said you come from uh, Spain to, to China. For me, China was never on my top list, uh, top 10, top 20. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, I've been here for five years. So, for you, like, what was your decision to to come to China? Was it was I mean, it was re- it was about the same. Like, it was never on my list anywhere. I mean, the only thing that I ever thought about it was like everything I've ever heard about it sounds like stuff off TV. That yes, for about people by people that don't know what the hell they're talking about and clearly have an axe to grind. Yeah. You know, on on every side. You know, and so I'm just like, okay, like. How am I gonna how am I gonna know anything about this? You know, and so I was like, well, the only way, you know, like you know, like I'm a I'm a bit of I'm a bit of a skeptic, you know, with a lot of things and if you wanna just know, trusting you go. <laughs> right, trusting like, oh, this country is like this. 
that's a huge statement. Even if you like are from that country and live in that country and you know everything about that country that you could possibly learn in a lifetime, still you don't really know what it's like as a country in every country. It's yeah. like that, you know, like that is too big for anyone to know. And so for people that have never been there and not know anything about it and then have this axe to grind and then like that's my only that's my only like point that I can look at and say, oh, this is what I know about China. You know, and, and it's like, well, okay, then I actually don't know anything and I should just shut up. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so like that was my stance, you know, it was like, well, I, d I don't have any opinion on it. it. You know, like there's, okay, there's some numbers on things that I could look at, but like, I don't know anything about it, you know? So I was like, well, I could come here, you know? And so that was, yeah. And like, well, at the time I was married and, you know, and I was like, I was like, whatever, where's, where's a place? And she's like, ah, China. And I was like, all right. Cool. I was like, you know, that sounds good to me, as good as anything else. I wanted, because I wanted somewhere I'd never been, yeah. you know, just somewhere new. And like, obviously, there's a lot of places that I have not seen, you know, a lot of places I've not seen in the world. But I'd never been to Asia at all, you know. And so I was like, oh, okay. I was like, that's like a, that's a massive, massive continent with a lot of unique cultures. Mm. And it's, and a, you know, it's, it's a, comes from a different tradition, you know, like in a lot of ways. And so I, like I studied, you know, I had a, a Chinese professor who uh, taught um, Taoism, Confucianism and Buddhism. Right. Uh, and so I studied that for a couple years, you know, with him, but you know, it was kind of, that was it, you know, that was all mm -hmm. I knew. And I knew like I'd studied like the history of the East world. Asia, the history of modern Japan. I, uh, you know, I'd studied kind of the, survey stuff you know yeah. look at a few things but i i had no idea what it was really what it meant to live like outside of you know something that came from like the more greco-roman tradition you know because like studying history that was you know there's like world history and there's western civilization like those are the two main classes the kind of categories that you would take Where's you know in, <laughs> in which is like those are both so broad almost to almost be meaningless, you know, but, you know, but they do mean something. There is a tradition, the Western tradition, you can, you can follow a lot of the, you know, it's all unique, everything's unique, yeah. but it kind of comes from this, you know, a lot of it from this, like, Greco-Roman, these ideas, and things move out this way and that way, and there's a lot of interesting things, but that did not, that's not how it developed in the East, you know, it developed from an entirely different set of traditions, mm. and so it's like, oh, okay, like, as someone who took history and philosophy and still takes history and philosophy quite seriously like the, that that's something i really would like to learn about yeah. and so why not go firsthand and try to experience some of it mm -hmm. you know did i learn anything i don't know like <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's like everything else whereas you when it you know you have all these grand ideas and then you like you're like oh yes i will i will survey the land and i will make my i will figure out what everything is about and then you're like I got to work. I got to pay the bills. Yeah, I got to go do that. You know, you just get in the daily grind and then you're like, oh, I'm doing, I'm making music. I'm in a band doing this and that. Yeah. It's like, is my band anything based on the Eastern traditions <laughs> of anything? No. It's like, you know, maybe it's influenced because I've heard the, you know, these, this different kind of music, you know, that I've listened to a lot of Chinese bands and that kind of stuff. So yeah. maybe I've heard some of this, like, but in reality, it's like, well, I'm still 
very much entrenched in my tradition. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. we all have our individual traditions, and most of us stick more or less within them, and we expand when we can, and we try, you know, to different extents, each of us. So, what was uh, your first job that you sort of did? I mean, it was pretty common. Uh, I mean, it's... Uh, I worked the, sta- the standard... Uh, I worked at a training school that was one of the biggest training schools in Shanghai. There were... 15 20 of them still are you know they changed names a couple times but it's just this big training school and it's such an easy way to if you see a girl out at a bar and it's a foreign girl it's like so oh so what do you do what do you do for work i'm an english teacher it's like all right let me let me get my crystal ball out uh, you teach English. <laughs> Everyone you walking down the street. If they're a foreigner, you're going, what do you do? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 never mind. We don't. We are, Let me guess. We can, sk- <laughs> right. we can skip this conversation because we all know the answer. I lived outside of the downtown area. I lived in Putois. Mm. And so I only knew... I only knew of one other foreigner in my area, like in my neighborhood when I first got there. Um, there, was n- there was nothing in English... Uh, and I just, yeah, I showed up. I didn't know anything about Shanghai. I didn't know where, I didn't even know where downtown is because when you look at it on a map, you know, you're like, oh, okay, there's, this is huge and has a lot of people. This is huge and has a lot of people. This is huge, you know, like, because it's what, the size of, it's like five New York cities or something, you know? And so it's like, oh, okay, imagine that, you know? <laughs> like, and I, you know, and I'm not great at planning when it comes to traveling on purpose, I like the adventure of like failing and getting lost and not knowing yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. And I get a lot of cool experiences and you meet a lot of fun people that way, you know. And so I kind of showed up and yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, you know, I just kind of, because I remember like, yeah, I, I had to, I knew I had to learn Chinese once I got there. I didn't start until I got there and I was like, whoa, I was like, they're not... I don't understand any of this. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I somehow thought I would kind of be able to grasp what was going on, and I was like, nope, not a word, not a bit. Nobody understands what I'm doing or saying, you know. And so I just, I got out of my, I got out of my, um, my apartment, and I would walk out, and I, I had my Pleco app, you know, and I would just look at every character, and I would find it on my Pleco app, and I would save it. And so I just did that walking down the street. Of my entire neighborhood and learning every character that I could all the way down. And then I, I kept trying to learn the tones first. Mm. And then I started trying to learn the pronunciation of different, you know, the different pinyin. And I was just like, okay. I was like, Whoa. It's tough. I was like, yeah, it's it's something else. Like, and I think it's, you know, like, like my Chinese sucks. Like all of us, all foreigners here, like our Chinese all sucks. Like no matter how good you are, unless you're, unless you're like Adrian Jenkins from Flip House, then you're, right. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're him, you're, and you can just like pick up languages in like a week or something, yeah, right. you know, but, uh, but I, I worked really hard, you know, put in a lot of hours, like working at training school also was nice because you're only working 20 hours, right. you know, and that's your full time gig is 20 hour a week, you know, classes. And so it's like, oh, okay, I had a lot of time to be able to study, you know, Chinese. And so I really tried hard, especially for those first few years, to, like, get at a level where I could at least get around, you know, right. because I was living I was living out, you know, way out, you know, for when you're considering where I live now, which is in the center of Jing'an. Right. 
because like Jing'an now actually, I think though had I moved to Jing'an originally, I wouldn't have even bothered learning Chinese. Nah. I would have like <laughs> I would have just been like, oh, I could fake it yeah. most of the way. Like everything is you know like I got I can use DD in English now, and I you know I can everything's out, in English. Right, exactly. So it's really easy. Uh, but where I was then, I was I'm, I appreciate the fact that I made it more difficult for myself, you know, because because yeah. I yeah, it's it's an it's a very interesting language. I I enjoy it. Like I I still study it at least like a, at least a few days a week. I'll sit down and study, you know, like actual study. You know, every day I use Chinese every day. Uh, you know, like yeah, ha- I have to. Like it's just part of everything that I do is ingrained into it. And so it's like, all right, I at least got, I remember the first time I was actually able to say something that someone understood. Like, that was a very big moment. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times I tried to say train station. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, in Chinese, and I would do it, and I would do it as slow and fast and nothing for, like, months and months and months. And then finally, somebody understood it, and I was like, oh, my God, okay, it's real. Yeah. I, you know, like, because for a while there, I was like, it's this I was like, is there like a, is there a big joke where like every app and every YouTube video and everything has this fake language that isn't real (laughs) that when you say it all, every actual, everyone that actually speaks Chinese is laughing at you and like, he thinks that one's real. (laughs) That's the fake one. (laughs) You know, because like I, for months, literally months of just repeating the same words and no one ever understanding a single word of it. And like, it was wild, you know, and then finally... It, it was so exciting. I just, oh man, I started studying. I was studying like eight hours a day for a while, wow. like for probably a good couple of years. Mm. You know, like that was like a full-time job pretty much for me. I should be better than I am. Like, it's like what the hell happened? Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, but when you start breaking it down, it's like, you know what? That makes sense. Like, oh like, yeah. Like, like uh, the numbers are, are, are simple, like, like when you translate it back into English, it's like, you know, and the dates and the the, the, the months, it's like, it's very January logical. 1. Right, it's, like, it's super, right. It's yeah, super yeah. logical. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, okay, like, I like uh, this. Uh, kangaroo is like a pouch rat, rat pouch. <laughs> right, right. Rat. And, right, and I, was, I think that was one of the things that really like kept me going is like, I was finding these words that were so... It was so cool to think about. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you combine a pouch and a rat. Yeah. You're like... That was oh, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, right? right. Like, like, I get it. I yeah. get it. Like that. You know, it's like, it's just these, you know, it's it's funny, but it's serious and it's very practical yeah. in a way. Because you're like, yeah, yeah, of course. That's just, that's what that is. Like, it's amazing. That, like, that sure. Yeah. What a, right. What a cool language. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like that's it great. is. Great. There's such a steep learning curve, you know, because, like, my, my level's about HSK3, which is, like, lower intermediate, intermediate-ish, you know, like, I can get around and do the stuff I need yes. to do and whatever, but, man, like, it's, yeah, like, that. every time I learn, like, a new thing, and, of course, I jump out, you know, to way up here, high-level Chung Yu and stuff, and I'm like, I'm like, what? I was like, that means, oh, no way, that's so cool, you know, <laughs> like... So yeah, it is. there's just a lot of really cool stuff in the language itself. I always thought languages were kind of cool though. Like, you, you you said you were working in a training center. Yeah. Um, and like I don't think we have that in Australia. Like we like we have like after hours class, but it's not really a training center. So it was no. same, same with me. I I started a training center, but uh, I do believe you went on to uh, you know 
other school, yeah. right? like a, like an international school, right? Or right. Yeah, yeah. I moved on. I moved on to another school. Just yeah, I guess it might be worth just mentioning first, though. Yeah, what a training center is. Yeah, I think there's probably obviously anyone that's here in China probably knows, but uh, like a training center is this. A lot of times, mine, like mine, was in a mall. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are just in a mall, and it's like a a section of a mall where they'll have like after, seven to ten classrooms, hour. and yeah, after from like four thirty to eight or nine, and then all day Saturday oh, and Sunday, you come in, you have like a 90 minute class, the kids switch out, the teachers are just sitting there, next group comes in, you teach them for 90 minutes, They next group comes in and you just power through and you just, that's all you're doing is just kind of, it's like factory education, <laughs> you know, and so really like, it's a strange thing and I, I honestly don't think I taught anyone anything. Like, I tried my damnedest. I, like, I really did. I really took it seriously, and I really tried. Um, like, me and my friend Jesse worked really hard to, like, we created all these new games, and we created all these new resources for everyone. And and in the end, though, it was like, I just never felt like we really accomplished much of anything. I think the biggest accomplishment, really, is that a lot of the students that I had had never really interacted with a foreigner. And I think that's cool. Uh, you know, yeah. like, I think that's an awesome, awesome thing for for anyone to interact with someone that's from a different country. You know, like, it's, it's. I think a lot of, uh, you probably have some of the same experience. It's why you like to travel. You know, it's like, it's like you like to go somewhere where it's like people have a very different mindset from you. And it, it kind of forces you to think in things a different way. You know, it's like, oh, okay, like. Yeah, I, you know, I expected this reaction because in my circle, in my country, this is probably how people would react. But actually, from this circle, people react totally differently. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's cool. It you know, like, very cool. Yeah. And it's something you can't fake. You know, like, it's so it's great to be able to actually have that, that experience, especially as a young child. Because most of the students that I had were probably between 3 and 10, I would say, somewhere in there. You know, and so... These young kids, they'd never seen a foreigner, like, you know, they come in and they show up and they're just like, all right, uh, I know a couple words of English now, but a lot of it is body language. A lot of it is just, you know, trying to get them to have fun, you know, (laughs) like in an English environment. That's always the buzzword is English environment. That's what I offer, you know, (laughs) like parents see the the kids are happy. 90% of you won. Right, exactly. (laughs) And, And really like if... You know, at three or four years old, also, I don't, I, from my, my personal, you know, view on education is that there's a, there's a limit that's very low what's appropriate. Yeah. You know, like, educationally appropriate things for three-year-olds are pretty low level. Your expectation should be minimal, and then you should just really try to inspire them to enjoy the idea of learning and enjoy the idea of experiencing new things. Absolutely. You know, and if, and I think if you can accomplish that, the language at three, four, five years old is kind of like whatever. Once they hit seven, they're gonna have this massive growth spurt in their brain, and they're gonna yeah. pick it all up like it's nothing. You know, like <laughs> so. Don't worry about that other stuff. Hi, I'm Nigel, the Shanghai Psychic. I can tune into your loved ones in the spirit world, but I can also tune into you, tell you about your path. And the choices that you need to make and need to know. I'm currently giving 30% discount on all 
Tell Craig Your Story listeners. Just use the code Tell Craig Your Story for 30% off your first psychic reading with me online at Nigel the Shanghai Psychic.